unbelievably, I'm back for another week. I'm Johnny Jones, and welcome to Fake News. Tickets for the roast of Mark Shook go on sale in the lobby today. Bring your bald jokes, your skipping leg day jokes, or even your you should still dye your beard jokes. Anything you can imagine. COF and Starbucks has begun a partnership offering coffee to our congregation. Although in a financial decision in order to afford Starbucks, we've made changes to the serving sizes from this cup to this cup. Drink responsibly. Well, this has been Fake News. I'm Johnny Jones. And remember, if this is your first time here, your first cup of free coffee is on me. All right, Johnny Jones. That was a good last week run for him. <laughs> I don't know. I'm enjoying I this, know you these are. Segments. A little too much. It does make you a little bit nervous every week wondering what he's going to say and who he's <laughs> going to talk about. But thank you, Johnny. We are in the middle of our fake news series, just kind of looking at some things, discovering some things that many of us have believed about the Christian life that aren't necessarily true, and bringing those untruths to life and helping us see what God's truth really says. Last weekend, I had the privilege of speaking at a cancer survivor's event, and it's always exciting to be in a room full of people that have fought this disease or are fighting this disease and hear their stories and be encouraged. And, and after it was over, a lot of people came up to me, and they were all super sweet and encouraging and exciting until this one lady walked up, and she had a copy of my book, and she asked me to sign it, and she was really sweet. And then she said, are you Carrie Shook's mother? I watch him on TV. <laughs> and I was speechless. <laughs> That's fake news, y'all. I am not Carrie Shook's mother. Carrie got he a kick out of it. He's not my son. Yeah. Carrie did get a good laugh out of it. He is older than me, um, just for the record. <laughs> But when you're at a place like that, full of a room full of people that have fought cancer, you kind of start to ask some questions, questions about life. You know, and one of those questions is, what is my purpose? What am I supposed to be doing? If my life has a start date and it has an end date, what do I do in between? What is it that God wants me to be doing? And I've seen over the course of my life that I've had that question a lot. I don't know about you. But I always come back to it, God, what do you want me to do? What am I supposed to do right now? You know, when the kids were little and, and I was overwhelmed parenting three young children at home and I remember praying and I'd say, God, what do I do? What do you want me to do? And he would whisper to me, pray. When we left the country and, and lived in Mexico City as missionaries and I was trying to figure out what my role in all of that was and again, I was asking God, what do I do? And he said it again, he said, Laura, pray. And when we uh, came back to the States and we had faced this cancer diagnosis, I can remember thinking the same thing, God, what do I do? I can't be at church, I can't be helping, what do I do? And God said, pray. And as the kids grew older and grew out of the house and we had an empty nest and again, I found myself questioning, God, what do I do now? What am I supposed to do? And God said, pray. 
And you would think, after so many instances of this, the constancy of God's answer in every circumstance across my life, that I would finally get it, right? But maybe I'm a little hard-headed, I don't know, probably a little stubborn, I'm pretty sure of that, but recently I was looking back, I knew he would have something to say about that. (laughs) Recently I was looking back through one of my journals and I saw the same question again. You know, God, what do I do? What do you want me to do? And I can imagine God just kind of looking at me in frustration, probably shaking his head. And like my mom used to say, do you think I'm talking just to hear my head rattle? Did your mom ever say that to you? (laughs) It's a good one. But I imagine God saying that, like, I've told you repeatedly over and over and over again what to do. That's it. That's the work I have for you to do. I want you to pray. And I don't think it's unique to me. I don't think it's a calling just for me. But I think God is calling you too, and he's calling our church, community of faith, to be a people of prayer, to be a church of prayer. I read a blog post recently by Beth Moore. She's a Bible scholar and teacher, speaker, and listen to what she says. She says, we've got to pray. We've got to become people of prayer. We've got to press in much further and believe God to be much bigger. We've got to cease letting prayer be our weakest spiritual discipline. We've got to step it up and wield the sword of the Spirit in relentless intercession. We've got to go further than we've gone before in prayer. Press harder, think higher, dig our knees in deeper. We will not live bolder than we pray. And I think honestly, we've all believed some fake news about prayer. And it's those fake news that's keeping us from experiencing all that God wants us to experience. So over the next couple weekends, this weekend and next weekend, Mark and I want to expose some of those lies and bring the truth to light about prayer. One of the things about prayer is the reason why it's so vital is if we're ever going to have inner peace, the Bible says we've got to learn how to pray. I don't know about you, but you look around you and it's like, The world seems so divided, so chaotic. Everything, all this going on, it's like, God, are we living in the end of times? And I read a verse in 1 Corinthians the other day that kind of put it all together for me. It said, the trump shall sound and then the end will come. (laughs) So we're close, right? No, that might be fake news, right? (laughs) But... It is, it's crazy around us and, and what the Bible says that there's this anxiety that can, can build up inside of us and if we allow that to, to control us, it, it, it's gonna be a desperate thing. But I want you to see some fake news today. The fake news is that prayer is our natural response to difficulty, to the difficulty around us. That's fake news. You say, well, I tend to like be thinking about like, oh God, help, do this, do that. But even our prayers are kind of a worry. So the truth is, worry, the Bible says, is our natural response to difficulty. That's the human response to difficulty is worry. In fact, listen to what Paul said in Philippians. Don't be anxious about things. Instead, pray. Pray about everything. He longs to hear your requests. So talk to God about your needs. Be thankful for what has come. And know that the peace of God, a peace that is beyond any and all of our human understanding, will stand watch over your hearts and minds in Jesus, the anointed one. In the Bible, 
the Bible knows, God knows that the way he created us is we can't put off something unless we put on something. And you see that all through the Bible. Put off this, put on this. And a lot of us have tried to stop worrying. I'm going to stop worrying. I'm going to stop worrying. But we haven't been able to do it. That's because we haven't put on something. We put off worry. You put on prayer in its place. And and not just any kind of prayer. Not just little prayers thrown up to God like that. We're going to talk about what it means to really pray. How God, how Jesus says, this is how I want you to pray over these next couple of weeks. We're going to see that. And if you've longed for peace, you're going to have it. But can I tell you something else about prayer? Prayer is a tool that God is using to teach us how to rule and reign with him. That's the other part of of what we want to talk about. And we're going to get into this in a really powerful way. Because I want you to understand some things about prayer that maybe you haven't seen before. And why we're to be involved. It's supposed to be like the central part of our lives. So we're going to be digging into that too over the next couple of weeks. The other fake news that I think many of us believe about prayer is that prayer comes naturally. We tend to think that once we decide to make Jesus the boss of our life, that prayer is just going to come naturally to us. It's going to be these magical things that start to happen in our lives. And that's just not true. I mean, it's true in the sense that Marco talked about a couple of weeks ago, that when God's Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you, he begins to produce the fruits of the Spirit. You see that happen in your life, but that's not magic. But prayer is something that has to be learned and developed. That's the truth about prayer. It doesn't just come naturally. It would be like thinking, I'm going to get baptized, and then you just sit there and you never get up and walk out into the baptismal pool. You're never going to be baptized. You have to take an action. Prayer is the same way. Like many other spiritual disciplines, you have to learn how to pray. You have to develop your prayer life. And we see the truth of that in Luke chapter 11. Look what the Bible says. It happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. You know, the disciples had been with Jesus nearly daily for three years. They'd seen him teach. They've heard him lead the people. They've seen him perform miracles. They've kind of had front row seats to everything that Jesus did. And they saw the power in his life. They saw how he lived and they experienced all of that. And you know, never once do you hear the disciples say, Jesus, teach us how to teach. Jesus, teach us how to preach. Teach us how to perform miracles. The only thing they ever asked of him was, Lord, teach us to pray. They saw something different in Jesus in the way that he prayed. And these are guys who grew up going to the synagogue, attending synagogue, where they saw and heard prayers recited and repeated over and over again. Prayer was very much a part of their lives. But they saw that there was something different about the prayers that Jesus prayed. There was a power that came from them and miraculous things happened. And they said, Jesus, teach us to do that. We've seen prayer but we want what you have. We want to do what you do. We want to experience that. Have you ever asked God to teach you how to pray? Maybe you never realized you needed to learn how to pray or how to develop that in your life. How different would our lives be? How different would our families be? How different would our country be if we learned to pray the way Jesus said to pray and we developed that prayer life in our lives? Everything would change 
And you know, the disciples didn't say, teach us a prayer. They said, teach us to pray. Make us people of prayer. Let us learn that the first thing we should go to is prayer, not the last thing. Burden us for the things that burden your heart. Teach us to pray. Make us people of prayer. And if we're going to be people of prayer, it means that prayer is not just an activity that we do, but prayer is a characteristic of our life. It encompasses everything about us. It's a defining characteristic. Listen to Colossians 4.2. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray continually. And the New Living translation of that same verse says, never stop praying. Well, that's impossible, right? I mean, I have to live my life. How can I do anything without ever stopping? That doesn't make any sense. But these verses are telling us that prayer is a way of life. It's a part of who you are. It's your expression of your connection with God and ongoing dependence on him. It's simply keeping the dialogue open with him. How many of you have a a text message on your phone and it's an ongoing thread, right? Because you're maintaining connection with that person, conversation and communication with that person. Prayer is your same connection with God. It's an ongoing connection. It's saying, God, I recognize that you are God. I recognize that you are good, and I choose to trust you. That's what prayer is. That's what it does for us. And communication has to be developed over time. Our grandson, Owen, is learning to talk, and he has some words now that he uses, not whole sentences, but just words. He so badly wants to be a part of any conversation that when we're sitting around in a room talking with a group of people, all of a sudden, he'll just shout out. So the conversation is going on, and all of a sudden, you hear, head, (laughs) And there's this little tiny boy over there just grinning. You know, he's part of the conversation. Or he yells, nose, butterfly. And we're so excited that he's learning these words that we encourage it. We repeat the words. We make sounds to him. We're pointing out our noses and pictures and things to him to help him learn to communicate. And I imagine our prayer life is a little bit the same to God. You know, he's sitting, he's listening, he's waiting, and he's pointing things out to us, hoping that it'll spur conversation with us. He's giving us experiences that he's hoping will draw us into him to communicate with him, and he's waiting, and he's listening. But it's a process. It's something that has to be learned. It's a learned behavior. Nobody's born an expert, and nobody's ever gonna become a master of prayer. It's something you're gonna develop and learn all through the course of your life. That's the way God designed it to be. So don't worry if you feel uncertain. Don't worry if you think maybe you don't have the right words, you don't know what to do. When Mark and I, I remember the first church, Mark Pastor, a little bitty church down in Southeast Houston, and they had the habit of during the morning worship service, they would call on somebody in the church to stand up and pray in the congregation. We're not gonna do that here this morning, so don't be scared. But we had a good friend named Paul, and he was a fairly new follower of Christ. And so one Sunday morning, for whatever reason, Mark (laughs) decided he was going to call on Paul to pray. And so he asked Paul to stand up and pray. And I mean, you have never seen anybody look more like a deer in the headlights than Paul did. (laughs) He's kind of like this. You know, and he stood up, and he's stiff, and he's holding on to the pew. And I remember Paul, and he just goes... Oh, Lord. (laughs) And we're all kind of peeking at him, you know? And he's like, 
help me to be better prepared next time pastor calls on me to pray. (laughs) (laughs) And that was his prayer for the morning. Which was a lot better at Carrie's first church when he would call on people to pray. They had a habit, they would all go, pass, and he'd have to call on somebody else. (laughs) Well, Paul didn't pass that morning, but... (laughs) I mean, we feel that way a lot, don't we? God, we don't know what to do. We don't know what to say. We don't want to get it wrong. Here's the thing. You can't get it wrong. God just wants you to talk to him. But he does have some principles that he teaches us in his scripture, principles of prayer, and we want to look at those things this morning. And you know, the best way to actually learn how to do something is to do it, right? If you were going to learn a foreign language, you can learn all the vocabulary, you can learn the grammar, but until you actually go out and speak it, you're not really going to learn it. The best way you learn is in speaking it, and it causes your brain to search for those vocabulary words, to to listen to the grammar and, and put it into play. And the same is true for prayer. We can learn all the mechanics, but until we actually practice prayer... It's useless for us. We won't see the power of God come down. Fake news says that learning how to pray is the answer. But the truth is actually praying is the answer. We've got to pray. So let's learn how to, and then let's begin to put it into practice. Let's look this morning at Jesus' answer to his disciples when they said, Lord, teach us to pray. So today and next week, we're going to walk through these words of Jesus, and we're going to learn how to pray like Jesus asked us to pray, how he taught us to pray. So will you just close your eyes for just a minute, just kind of block everyone else out and make it really personal. Say, Jesus, Lord, teach me to pray. Just say that. Teach me to pray. Father, that is our request. Jesus, teach us to pray. Amen. You can look back up here. Let's look at what Jesus said. And we we find that in in the Gospels, in the the book of Matthew, Jesus' model for prayer. He says this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. What he's saying there is quit praying to impress people. So people go, oh, you're so spiritual. Did you hear that prayer? Sometimes people will come up to me after an event or something and someone's prayed and they will say, that was a great prayer. And I always answer them back, well, time will tell, right? Because it's not the beauty. In fact, sometimes I think that prayers maybe shouldn't be so beautiful. If we spend our time trying to beautify our prayers, are we really talking to our Father? And that's what Jesus is saying. Really, what Jesus is alluding to here, he's saying that sin problem that we have. See, we tend to think of it as something that is for the down and outers, like, oh, that poor addict under the bridge. You know, look at the results of sin in his life. But what Jesus is saying is, no, look at the most devout person, you know, on their knees before God, and we can still get filled up with ourselves instead of it being about God and his purposes and what he wants. It can be about us and what we look like. That's what sin looks like. But he goes on, he says, if you pray to be seen of men, then truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Prayer doesn't mean anything if it's not to God. Those who pray to impress people have received their reward, impressing people, that's it. But you, verse six, when you pray, go into your room, 
close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. These verses help me a lot because what he's saying is get away, get apart from other people. That word room means inner room or storeroom or closet. What he's saying, a place where people are not so that you don't get all caught up in worrying about what other people think. In private, we should pray long. And in public, we should pray short, right? Because what he's saying is it's not about other people, it's just us. And he says, pray to your father who is unseen. This helps me a lot because there's sometimes, maybe you feel like this right now, God, I don't know where you are. I don't see you in this situation. It feels like you're a million miles away. But the thing is, he's unseen, but he's not, not there. He is there. He is right there with you. Pray to your father who is unseen. And then it says, then your father who sees what is done in secret. See, he's unseen, but he sees you. And I think that's enough. Which is more important, that you see God or that he sees you? I think that he sees you, right? And he says, my little one, I, I know that it's hard right now. My little one, I know that you don't understand right now. I know that you can't see me in these circumstances, but I see you and I haven't forgotten you for a moment. So every tear in the night and I've got a purpose for what's going on. Your father who sees what is done in secret, he sees you. It's interesting because that word secret, it actually in the original language is in the secret and it refers back to this Jewish tradition of the temple. And in the temple, there's this place where only God is supposed to dwell. And only once a year can the priest go in. It's the secret place. It's the holy of holies. And what Jesus is saying here is when you're in your closet and no one can see you, when you're in your inner room and and no one else is around and you're down on your knees, it's as if the virtual reality that opens up around you is You're in the throne room of God. You're in the holy of holies. You're where the priest could only go. But we don't need that anymore. He says you can enter yourself. And as you're there in the secret, God's in the secret. You're in the secret. In the holy of holies, he's there. It takes you into the the, the presence of God. Your father who sees in the secret place will reward you. He's gonna reward you. You see, there's reward in prayer. A lot of us go, well, I don't pray for rewards. I don't seek God for, come on, Jesus knows us better, right? He knows, he knows better. He says, I will reward you. I will reward you. To us as Americans, a lot of times that means, oh, goody, he's gonna give us whatever we want. But that's not accurate. Because if that was accurate, When I was 16 years old on that birthday, I would have gotten that black Trans Am with those honeycomb tires that I prayed for. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you don't even have an idea. But I mean, you know, I prayed hard for that. And and I just knew on my 16th, when I woke up, it was gonna be in my driveway. And it wasn't so disappointed with God for a while, right? But he said, no, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not gonna reward you with whatever you want. Listen to what he goes on to say. He says, when you pray, don't keep babbling like pagans for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. See, what we tend to do, and maybe you know people like this or you're out of a tradition like this, is we think if we can just get 
so passionate with God, if we can just faith it enough that God's gonna hear us. That's what we need to do. We need to faith it, you know? It's like we need to go, oh God, I'm, I'm so, God, I'm here, you know, and it's just me and you, and, and just really get, if you can just get into, you know, get, get the emotions going. But that's what Jesus says, that's not what it's about. I mean, when your kids come and they ask you for a snack, do they have to get their emotions going to really get one from you, you know? Oh, dad, oh, sweet daddy. <laughs> Lord of my universe. No, right? It, it, it's like, no, here, I love to give you a, a, a healthy snack, right? Which might not be what we ask for, but here's the thing. We, we, we tend to, and we teach our kids these rote prayers, which seem so cute on the surface, and I, I guess they are, but they're kind of scary underneath, you know? You ever teach your kid, okay, here's how we're gonna pray to God. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, <laughs> No, it's like, what? The kid's going like, I'm not sleeping. I'm staying awake, you know. God's going, just talk to me like a daddy. Talk to me like a father. That's what I want. You don't have to faith it up. You don't have to figure out, I mean, just talk to me. I, I, I was reading a, a book by a guy. He said there was this missionary that was known to be a great prayer and he was at a conference and they ended up staying in the same room. They were both speaking at this conference and he expected this guy to just have the most amazing prayers and the guy knelt down beside his bed and he said, you want to join me in prayer? You, he knelt down beside his bed and the guy started to pray. He said it was like a little kid praying. He, he said it was like the most unexpected thing. It was like Father, oh, this has been so difficult. And just going into stuff and talking about, like a kid would talk to a dad. He said he was stunned. He thought it was gonna be these flowery, amazing faith prayers, you know, and, and he said it was like a little boy talking to his daddy and he started thinking, oh, that's the secret. Jesus says, do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Jesus lets us in on a secret about prayer that in some ways, for us, we think, well, that kind of cuts the feet out from under prayer, right? I mean, he already knows what we need. If he already knows what we need, why doesn't he just give it to us, you know? If he knows all things, I mean, think about it. God does know all things, he does. And so when you come and pray to him, you think he's up there with a notepad and goes, oh, she's sick. I didn't know that, you know. <laughs> Honeycomb tires. Oh, I didn't know, you know. And, and no, he already knows all of this stuff. So, so I'm not a mind reader, but it's a natural question. I'm thinking, you're thinking, so why am I praying? If he already knows what I need, I don't understand it. And see, this is what the apostles noticed. And this is, this, this is the crucial insight. This is what I want to end on. Prayer is a tool. Prayer is a tool that God says, let me let you in on a little secret. We're in boot camp. I'm teaching you something. You know, when you go to heaven, you're not gonna float around on a cloud and play a harp for a couple of billion years. You're not gonna be an angel. Did you know that? You're not gonna be an angel. You're gonna be a human being. But the psalmist said, for a little while, we're lower than the angels, but he has made us the highest like creation and he has brought us revelation says you're going to sit on my throne with me you're going to rule and reign with me 
He says, this is the purpose, but I want to teach you how to do it here so I have a tool. It's called prayer. I'm going to not do anything except an answer to your prayer so that it's you and me joining together, learning how to bring heaven to earth. That's what we're going to see. Just a glimpse of next week. He goes into a model prayer. Now, he doesn't say, this is the prayer. Just repeat this prayer, though most of us can do that now. In a lot of our traditions, we say, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. But it was a, it was a kind of an outline, a skeleton to hang your prayer on. We're going to see that next week. But one of the things he said is, come kingdom of God in the imperative form, in the command form. Be done, will of God. He said, I want you to bring heaven to earth in this situation, in your marriage, at your workplace, with your children. I want you to bring heaven to earth here now. And he wants to do that in a powerful way. That's what he's always trying to do. He's teaching us to be overcomers. You see, it turns our lives upside down. Some of you, you thought, I just don't have God's favor. My life is so hard. Look at them. Their life is so easy. They must have God's favor. God's favor is saying, hey, I've got a big job for you. Boot camp's going to be a little harder for you. You're in the Green Berets. You're in the Army Rangers. You're a Navy SEAL. That, that's a little bit harder. So I'm going to train you up, and it's going to be difficult, but I want you to learn how to bring heaven to earth in each of these situations and overcome this. This is what I'm going to teach you. This is what I'm going to show you. And it's your loving father. You'll see it when you get to heaven. You'll go, ah, oh, that's what that was. But don't waste your sorrows. That's the big deal. See, a lot of us, I'm afraid we're going to get to heaven and we're going to like, he's going to, I almost had you where I wanted you, but you, I needed you to learn this. I don't know if it's to go and create some new universe. You're not going to be God. You're going to be lower than God, higher than the angels. But God says, I'm going to join with you and we're going to rule and reign together over what? I don't know. He doesn't tell us about any of that stuff. I don't know what that looks like. But somehow as you go out to create or do whatever you're doing, you've got to be connected to him still. And that's what prayer is. You're learning the tool that causes that to happen. So that's what we are going to see. And we're going to look this next week. We're going to just follow through and see how to put our prayers together in that secret place. And when we learn how to do this, it's going to be amazing what God does as he joins with us. Why would God limit himself? Why do we not see him do things except in answer to prayer? Because he's teaching us. It's his tool to teach us. As we join with him, we see these things happen. One of the things that God promised me when we began Community of Faith is out of Community of Faith, he's going to raise up a core of prayers. People that are really knowing how to pray. And we'll talk next week about how prayer changes even world events. World War II was moved by prayer. It could have had a totally different result. And we're going to see some of these things behind the scenes that we look at the great movements of history and we don't realize what's moving them behind the scenes. God's people, God's church. It's so important that we get this. I want you just to close your eyes with me for a minute. Block everything, everybody else out. You've already said, God, teach me to pray. 
Now just say, God, open my mind to understand what Mark and Laura are talking about. Even show me this week. Help me to see that my circumstances are not without purpose. Help me to see what you're trying to teach me. Don't let me waste my sorrows. Let me step in to all that you have for me. And then some of you, it's just going to be on your heart. Make me one of those prayers that you promised, Mark, that you're going to raise up. Make me one of those. I want to be one of those. I want to see your kingdom come. I want to see your will be done. I want to see your name be hallowed in this place. Father, I thank you for what you're doing here at Community of Faith. It's one of the great privileges of my life and Laura's life to be the pastor of this church. And I thank you for the future that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen.